Thanks, David. Only 24 more minutes to go. It's all right. Well, welcome to Trinity this morning. If I've, if I've not met you, I am indeed Andrew, and it's a real pleasure to be part of the leadership of this church, and you are so welcome with us here, here today. Um, I'm going to be uh, sharing some things just uh, around uh, our Faith for Generations series and, and particularly thinking about family and households and all of that. And uh, obviously I want to try and sort of resonate with, connect with Mothering, Mothering Sunday. And I just want to be upfront with you. Uh, if I haven't done my job properly, by the end of the next 24 minutes, or it may be more, of your life, uh, I want you to feel a disconnection. I, I actually want you to feel just a little bit kind of, mmm, okay? Because if you don't feel just a tiny little bit, mmm, then I haven't done my job well this morning. Because actually, what I'm going to be presenting and talking about is, is a radical vision. And, and I won't have a lot of time to go right, the, right into it. It's, it's more radical, more liberating than I've got time to share. A radical vision of how things are meant to be. And there's going to be a sense of holding up a mirror to how things are. So I know before I, I speak to you, there is a, a disconnection, there's a gap between the reality of our church life, and to be honest with you, I dare I say, pretty well every church I've ever been part of, and the vision that I'm going to share with you. So I just want that health warning straight away. I'm not presenting this to you and saying somehow we've got all of this sorted as Trinity Cheltenham, because we haven't. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to be down on us, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be upbeat about the things that it's good to be upbeat and to celebrate, but it is, it is being honest and real, because it's only when we're honest and real, it's only then that we let the Holy Spirit do his work, it's only when we recognise our weaknesses that, that then God is strong. So I would hope that you would feel a bit stirred up today, that would be great. Um, if you've been on the journey with us as a church family a little while, hopefully you know that at the moment we're exploring three vision themes. So we haven't been able yet in this new season, this new chapter, to say this is exactly the picture of what God is wanting us to be and, and to do as a church. But we, we know that God is, is working with us and through us in order to unfold his vision. And we have a, a strong sense that God, not testing us in, in a wrong kind of way, but in a really biblical kind of way, is saying, Trinity Cheltenham, are you up for it? I, are you, I, I want to trust you with more. I want, I, want to, I want to ask you to do more things in the kingdom that will bless this community and make a difference across the whole of this community and this, this region. But there's a sort of sense of him saying, are you ready for it? Because God is our perfect parent, our perfect father. And I know in my own life that God has often said, well, Andrew, you know, I'm not going to weigh you down. That's not the way I work. I'm going to give you what I, I feel I can give you. I'm going to stretch you as far as I can stretch. But this is a partnership. Do you, do you want to be stretched as far as we could go? Is, is your vision, do you dare to have a vision that is beyond anything that you can imagine yourself? 
And so we have a sense that as we've prayed into it last year and we're, we're keeping exploring this year, we have a sense that God is saying, first of all, are you serious about positioning yourself before me? Are you, are you serious about humbling yourself before your God and saying, God, to see the new thing, we believe there's a new thing that you've promised us, we are willing and ready to give up the old thing. We recognise that, that change is, is never easy. You know, it's so much easier to carry on doing the same things, especially if it appears that there's blessing and there's fruits. It is much more serious to say to God, we'll go where you want us to go. We'll be the people that you want us to be. This church family has the most amazing heritage of going in the ways that God has called and for the future, that could look so different to what has been, even frankly, what is now. And our God is saying to us, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you going to get down on your knees? Are you going to say that you know that you need my strength, my will, my might to do it. You, Andrew Blythe, you leadership team, you wonderful, glorious, beautiful, amazing people cannot do it on your own because it's a vision beyond what you could imagine on your own. That's our first calling, our first positioning. And we're, we're trying to do that in lots of different ways. We're trying to be serious about prayer. We're trying to be serious about listening and of course, friends, you can't shortcut that. So, you know, I'd, I'd be amazed to discover there aren't people in our church family who are a little bit frustrated. Why hasn't, you know, the vision been given to us yet? Well, the vision hasn't been given to us yet because the vision hasn't been given to us fully yet. Oh, I could, I could easily paint a picture for you. There are discerning people here who would see that straight away. But I dare to consider that I could suggest some things that might sound quite good. But I'm not doing that. The leadership team of this church is not doing that. Because we are serious about saying, God, we want your picture of the future. Your picture. And it's beyond what we can imagine. To see the new thing, you've got to be willing to give up the old thing. Our second P is about partnering. We've, we've just been honest, or we're trying to be honest, aren't we, as a church family, that we're not great at the moment in many different ways about partnering with each other. Again, hear me, please. There is so much, yes, that is good. There's so much that is encouraging. I'm not for a moment wanting to, to lose sight of the blessings that God has given to us as a church family over the years. But we know... We know we're not where we should be in just partnering with each other. I know there are people sitting looking at me now who could be up here speaking better than me now. I know there are people I'm sitting looking at here who are more entrepreneurial, more creative, more wonderful at caring. And we're not using your gifts as fully as we could. We know that. 
We know also that we're not, we're not where we should be in partnering with others. I mean, we are trying to do something about that. The Not On Our Turf campaign is something that's been shared between a number of churches. And by the way, the website is live now, so you can go and sign up as a supporter of it. But there's more. There's more. And then our third P is about planting planting new life and, and new things. We're, we're making some adjustments in our, in our staff team to reflect this one. We're, we're looking to say, God, where do you want us to plant new life, new initiatives, new things? That may mean new churches. That may mean new mission ideas. And that may mean planting things that radically change our community because of the ways that we we get involved in civic life, community life, business life. Again, I, I can just know how many women and men there are here with much bigger, better, bolder ideas than I could ever have around those kinds of things. And that's why we're exploring. And that's why we're being patient. And that's why we're on a journey together. And faith for generations is, of course, part of that. We, we did the Healthy Habits series for a reason, and we hope you haven't moved on too quickly. It is still Lent, by the way. How are you doing with those healthy habits? And faith for generations, saying, God, paint the picture of what it's like, not to, not to reflect the ways of the world, but to reflect your ways, God. Is something radical and beautiful and liberating. And so we're thinking about family as the slide, uh, the title slide will show. We're thinking about family today and faith for generations across that. And as my next slide in, in indicates, all civilizations, all civilizations, here's a picture from uh, the leadership team of Trinity Cheltenham taken last week. And <laughs> All civilizations have to mature to the point, don't they, in order to last, where people, individuals look beyond themselves and they start to live in community with each other. And so, friends, the biggest challenge, really, of our culture, of the Western culture, is that we have a desire for individual rights that is self-centred rather than other-centred. And that has its impact, doesn't it, on families and relationships of all kinds. And so we have the image of the perfect family. There's Nikki last week. (laughs) But the reality for many of us is much more akin to the Adam's family, (laughs) as we sung earlier. I didn't know that was happening. Maybe God did. Now look, can I just be really clear? Because especially, I think, amongst men like me of my age, there's a danger on Mothering Sunday that we're so bothered about being politically correct and so bothered about all the sensitivities, we just forget to say thank you to all the mothers. This is a day of celebration for mothering care. And if you are here and it's a good day and you're celebrating, praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Be thanked. But yes, we're also here today because we know there are, there are so many things where it's not as we want it to be as it should be. You know, I've got the T-shirt on, on this being the one day in the, in the year where Nikki and I didn't come to church. There'll be others who've made that choice today. As has been said earlier, and David, thank you, with sensitivity, reflected a whole series of situations that can make today such a difficult day. You know, we've had to appoint this czar for loneliness. We, we have all the things of abusiveness, of family breakdown. Thank you to all the men who are offering a mothering care here today. Thank you for all the lone parents that are here today. Thank you for all who are, who are reflecting the parenting of God that is, Scripture says, both fathering and mothering. Thank you if you're reflecting a mothering care. Many of you will know the origins of Mothering Sunday, not Mother's Day. Bless our American cousins, but you're wrong on this one. Mothering Sunday is the day when people returned to their home churches, their mother churches, and said thank you to all those who had nurtured and mothered them in their early years. Thank you for being part of that. But we've got this gap already. I mentioned it earlier. It's going to be there between the ideal and the reality, the perfect family image and the Adams family kind of thing. And there's a problem, you see, that it's only really quite recent in human history that family has been understood as something that is small, the kind of two plus two or the one plus five or the whatever it is. I mean, even now, actually, if you go, as we did recently, to Kenya to visit our partners over there, if you talk about family, you'll be introduced to the whole village. You see, the Bible doesn't have a, a word that is the equivalent of the way that we think about family as being a, a small kind of, of unit. The Bible is always talking about households. Here's, here's some scripture, which is just going to go up. It's from the message version. It's from Ephesians chapter 6. Um, and I would want to just honour uh, that this code, this household code that this is a part of starts, many of you will know, in chapter 5. It does talk about relationships between men and women. I'm not going there today because I'm afraid to go there, but it's not where I want to land. So, another sermon, another time. Children, this is the message version of Ephesians 6, 1 to 9. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honour your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter what, who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. 
Good work will get you good pay from the master, regardless of whether you are a slave or free. Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please, and no threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. I haven't got time to go into what's a proper biblical understanding of the relationship between men and women that is not about the exercise of wrong power and control or property. I don't also have time today to really go into the difference between bonded servants and slaves in the understanding of the Bible and, and something like the, uh, the Atlantic slave trade. They're completely different things being spoken about. What I do have time today is to ask you to see from just that excerpt of one of the household codes in Scripture that God deals not in just little small groups, but entire groups, multi-generational. This is his understanding of family, extended, a place of belonging. It's integral to the way that he's, he works out his salvation. Now, again, I haven't got time to go, to go into it, but when Paul was writing that letter to Ephesus, in the Greco-Roman world, there was a great discussion and debate about household codes, about how to order life in your extended family. And that the picture that Paul is painting, it might not sound like it at first hearing to our ears in, in the 21st century, but it's a picture of liberation and of freedom and of healthy relationship under Jesus Christ. And this is the biblical picture, isn't it? So when we look into the first parts of our Bible, the Old Testament, we see that God is working out salvation through families. Noah was a righteous man and found favour in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6.8. Because of his relationship to God, he and his family were saved. The covenant, Genesis 12, is made with Abraham and it's a promise for his family and to all generations all families, not just individuals, on the earth would be blessed in him. You think about the Jewish Passover. We're going to celebrate Maundy Thursday here by watching the film The Passion of Christ. But you think about the Passover meal that happens. It's a family meal. Remembering the occasion of the family of God's people being saved. The covenant in the Old Testament, the teaching, the law and its rituals were passed on through family life. And into the New Testament, the second parts of our Bible, what do we see? Well, we see the same thing being passed on. The coming of Christ changes everything with the gift of new life in grace. It's no longer sustained through the law. But, but the tree is the same. God doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, we throw away the promises and the principles of the Old Testament, but they are now expressed and inhabited in a new way. Why does scripture speak to us? Not because it can reflect every single changing culture, but it does reflect the enduring story of God 
worked out in human beings who have the same nature. God works his purposes out through family households. So there's Cornelius in Acts 10, Lydia at Philippi. Note Lydia is the leader of the church. There is the jailer at Philippi. There is Stephanus, Acts 16, Acts uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 1, 16. And the Holy Spirit is the play, works out through these households. Now look, some people do teach something called household salvation. They will say that, if, that what scripture is saying is if the leader of the household becomes a Christian and comes to faith, then everyone else in the household automatically does as well. That's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that the head of the household is absolutely influential, but everyone in the household hears Peter preaching and speaking and sharing the good news, hears and then responds themselves. Now look, I could so easily stray, couldn't I, as I try and say, so what difference does this make into next week's talk, which is about faith for generations in in churches. But I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try just say three ways that I think this lands. And it's really made me think about my own household and it really makes me think about our household of faith as Trinity Cheltenham. I hope it will you as well. Just then to give you a moment's breather, I like the joke about the mother who was telling a Bible story to her daughter. She said, darling, a man named Lot was warned to take his wife and flee out of the city But his wife looked back and was turned to salt. His daughter looked at her and said, what happened to the flea, mummy? Just let you think about it. They don't get any better. Here's the first one. If we're going to live a radical understanding based on scripture about families, about mothering care, fatherly care, then the first thing we need to see that the pattern of the Bible is about sharing responsibilities across generations. In the Old Testament, each household, each clan, each tribe work together to make an effective welfare for everyone, a system of welfare for everyone. And it didn't just account for those inside, did it? Remember the story of Ruth as an outsider who was blessed through this. And into the New Testament, there's the care of widows and orphans and the vulnerable. A household becomes a community of gifts to draw on across the generations. Everyone plays their part However busy you might be as a mother or a father, there's always someone else to help. There is an interdependence, young and old. My grandmother lived in a large house in North London and she attracted to her, I hope they're not all still alive in case they watch this, 
the most eclectic combination of individuals you've ever seen in your life. Um, I was teaching at the time, and so I used to get home when you could, and I know teachers, please don't beat me up afterwards, I know it's all changed. I used to get home maybe about sort of five-ish, something like that, and I used to drop in, as everyone did, at, at Nana Walpole's house. And her first tactic was a macaroon. You'd walk in the door, you'd say, I can't stay long. She'd say, oh, I'll do you a cup of tea and give you a macaroon, dear. And that was fatal. As soon as you'd had a macaroon, there was a homemade scone coming close behind it. <laughs> She'd get you sat in the lozier, this kind of tells you how old I am, um, in a, you know, the lozier, and it had a big lo armchair that sank into it. And just when you thought you were going to escape and do something, there was another homemade scone delivered to you. And then there would be Tony who would turn up at the door. No one quite knew Tony how Tony had ever come to be part of the extended family, but he was. He would just come in. There was Ronnie who walked around with a plastic bag. We never, ever found out what was in the plastic bag. And various other people would come into an extended household of care. I'm asking myself, how can I fight against the drawbridge mentality of our age. How with deep respect and concern for health and well-being and all the wise things we have to take into account, can I pray and look for opportunities for meaningful relationships across the generations with my household? How will I make the time so that this will happen? How will I model to my children, and if God blesses us, my grandchildren, my neighbours, and others in this church family, knowing that even that phrase, church family, causes some here to immediately rise up with a certain sense of justified anger? We use it as a phrase. It doesn't mean that to a lot of us. How can I create an extended household where responsibilities for the care of each other is across the generations? Second one is shared experiences. The people of the Bible told their story of experiencing God. They answered the fundamental questions, who is God and who are we, by sharing their experiences together. I've already referenced the Passover meal. If you've ever been to a reconstruction of a Passover meal, you'll know that children have special responsibilities within the meal. They are present and there. Do you know, whenever I'm asked the question, should I take my children to the funeral, I always say yes. I always say, take your children to funerals. Do you think our children don't know that death is a reality? Do you think they're not upset? They want to know how to equip, how to be equipped, how to cope, how to understand what faith looks like in that kind of scenario. When Paul is describing his household code, the children are present. He's not saying, adults, this is the stuff for you about how you organise yourselves, and now please go and tell the Sunday school how to do it. And we have to be wise 
If I may, as a slightly older person with older children, I do see young, I'm not talking about anyone here, I do see young parents asking their little children existential questions. Why did you do that, darling? Because <laughs> I thought it would be fun. We have to deal appropriately with different generations. But we have to take time, make time to share experiences. The best thing you can spend on your children is time. Our children need our presence, not our presence. Food is clearly so important throughout scripture, isn't it? Gathering around meal tables. We do it maybe at Christmas and other times, but how do we make it normal? I don't want to stray into next week's territory with life groups, but of course that would be one way. But are there others? How are we sharing our experiences with our children in our families and extended families so that they will know what we believe and pass it on? Rachel Turner talking about that two weeks ago. It takes time to listen to children. It takes time to teach children about them being able to listen as well. You can't shortcut it. And the third and final one is sharing in worship. So sharing in welfare, sharing experiences, and sharing worship are the three that I want to land on today. Bible people never took, Bible households never took their relationship with God for granted. They constantly renewed their relationship with God through worship. They constantly celebrated their faith through worship. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, children are fully present in all occasions when the church is worshipping, especially in its households. Jesus' encounters with children are always marked by words and deeds. He demonstrates in his actions what he is saying. He truly engages across the generations. I do believe this. It's why I'm an enthusiastic baptizer of the babies of Christian children. If a child's parents are clearly dependent on God, then I believe that child also starts life dependent on God. Yes, they will have to come to their own decisions, as I've said earlier. Yes, they'll have to make their own choice. But I choose to believe that they are in unless they opt to be out. How do we pray as families? How do we talk about our finances in a faith-filled way as families? We say it when we take up our offering here, don't we? All we have comes from you. We maybe don't use these words. I'm an old Anglican. All we have comes from you, O oh Lord, and of your own do we give you. That's the sense. David says it much more beautifully, in other words. How do we show our children that act of worship 
Do your children know how you use your money? Would you be embarrassed, Andrew? Would you be embarrassed to tell your children how you really use your money? Andrew, what about your choices with time? What about serving? How do we encourage our children as their act of worship to use their spiritual gifts? To exercise, in my experience, a child's ability to speak with absolute clarity in pictures and in words into situations without the filter of adulthood. How as households of faith, not just little nuclear families, are we going to encourage our children and others to try out, to talk about our God? Nikki and I love Polzeth in Cornwall. We went uh, down there, a really good friend of mine, Mark, had lost his mother, Nikki had lost her mother. And we went down onto the beach in Cornwall. It is my number one worship experience ever in terms of quality. It was also the bizarrest. We tried to light those um, lantern things. I know you're not meant to, we don't anymore. It was a howling gale. We lit one on one side of the beach, sheltering under the, under the cliff. The wind came and shot it straight at those houses in New Polzeth. If you own one of them, I'm sorry, the scorch mark is our fault. But I, can I tell you, there was no more profound act of worship than 30 people of all ages huddled on a beach, thanking God for two mothers who had died. It was better than any celebration we ever do here. And the children will not forget that ever. Are you sharing welfare? Are you sharing our experiences and our faith in God? And are you sharing in worship? This is radical. This is liberating. This is something to give ourselves to. Shall we stand? It was more than 24 minutes, you're not surprised. I told you there was going to be a reality gap at the end of what I said. But there is time before anyone needs to go and collect children. It would be, um, it would be such a privilege to, to pray with people in a moment or two, um, just to say, of course, again, you may want to just come forward for, for prayer because you want to celebrate, you want to say thank you for mothering care. You may want to come forward today because uh, you're one of the one in six couples who struggle with fertility issues, at least that number. You may want to come forward for prayer because of, of bereavement and loss. Uh, your, your mother, your father may still be alive, but you feel bereavement and loss because of the way that you were treated. You may want to come forward, or you may want to come forward for a million and one reasons. I hope some might want to come forward to say, you know what, God, I want a radical vision for my family. 
I want a, a radical vision for my household. I want to not just feel the, the, the stirring of the questions that have been posed this morning. I want to do something about them. And Holy Spirit, I don't know how to do it on my own. I need you to help. So let me pray for us all, because there are no spectators in a household of faith. Let's pray for one another, and then there'll be an opportunity for some to come forward and receive more prayer, and for others to go and collect children and do some lovely Mothering Sunday things. Jesus, before you, we recognise that even our church family now is imperfect. We recognise before you now, Lord, there are people here who do not feel included, who do not feel that they share in an extended household of faith. And Lord God, we can only come to you with sorrow for that. We can only say, Holy Spirit, would you be the one that shows us how to truly be an extended family of faith as Trinity Cheltenham. And we also come to you, Lord God, with a sense of the gap between how we would love our households to be, our families to be, places of welfare across the generations, places where experiences of you and faith are shared in such life-giving ways that people can't help but join in. And Lord, for our families, our households to be places of worship across the generations. You don't want us to go from here weighed down. You want us, Jesus, to go away from here built up, encouraged, with a sense of vision for the radical things that you call us to. And so Holy Spirit, would you come now right throughout this family of faith, right throughout this extended household of the Lord Jesus and wherever there is any sense of need, wherever there is desire for a vision, where there are fathers desperate to find ways to be more present with their children, where there are mothers stretched beyond belief, where there are older generations feeling that others have forgotten about them, where there are single people desperate for relationship, where there are lonely people here, even in the middle of a crowd, it's the loneliest place. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. As for me and my household, as for me and my household, they belong to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill our family, fill our families, fill our homes, our households with love and grace.
Jesus, thank you. And so, friends, why don't you come? Come and receive some love of God. That's all we do when we pray for people at the front, is try and share the love of God. Why don't you just come now, if you know for whatever reason, good, difficult, whatever. It would love, be lovely to receive some love of God as someone comes and prays with you. Just come forward now to the front or come down from upstairs. And church family, another day to come and gather with people quickly, not to leave them on their own so they're not exposed. Thank you for your courage in coming. Just come now. I always wonder if there are some grand grandparents who are not being able to play their full part in the lives of their grandchildren. I know we have some lone parents. Just come and church family, would you come and gather quickly with people to pray for them so they're not left, left on their own. That's lovely. Thank you. Holy Spirit, your love. Pour out Jesus' love. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Keep coming. Well done. Be brave. Just come and receive God's love for you today. If you're, if you're not coming forward, just be praying for those that you can see. And I'm sure some are praying for each other where you're sitting as well. Pray for God's blessing. If you find it easier just to turn to someone beside you and just say, you know what, would you pray for me, please? Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And for those of us who have to go in the next few minutes, pray the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to rest on each one of us on our families, our households. We go from here in the strength and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>